Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast, episode 192. We are back once again, despite the crazy wind snowstorm. Uh, the snow days off. We never take days off. Uh, this week, we are joined by candidate for Common Council at Large, Stephen Keblish, a uh, longtime friend of Maiden Utica. Nice to sit down with him and have a real conversation, uh, get to know why he decided to run uh, and what his plans are uh, should he get into office. Also this week, we're going to recap the Oscars. We're going to talk about uh, the Razzies as well, uh, a little bit of uh, crime section a little bit of tech concerns, history lessons, cowboy pinball, mall rankings, so much more. Uh, it's been a very busy week, folks. Uh, but we're happy, as always, to have you here. Oh, yeah. Episode 192. Uh, I can't believe that it's taken me this long to start offering you tea when you come I here, Heather. I, I offer you coffee every week, even though I know you can't drink it. Yeah, now I finally said tea. I'm like, okay. Yeah, so I feel... I like tea. I'm glad that you uh, you joined us here in the cold and the disgusting weather. Yeah, the roads were bad. I was tempted to just let you off the hook. No, that's good, no. But I'm glad you showed up no. and that you're wearing a full coat. I am. In the house and Breathing. a scarf over your face. And I have, like, even leggings on underneath my jeans. Uh, I've to heard... be fair, until just now, the heat was on 58 degrees. Oh, gee. So it is a bit cold. Okay. That's true. Uh, Kev, how you feeling, buddy? You recovering all right? No, it's terrible. Yeah, it sounds here. It's terrible. <laughs> well, I... I'm not feeling... You know I'm not feeling all right. Why would you ask me? Well, because I, I wanted to... What are you feeling? Are you think the magic of podcasting is healed? Yeah, maybe, I know. Yeah, afterwards he'll feel ah. True story, though. I'll, and I'll say this to Kev. I gave Kev the opportunity to not do this today. I was like, if you're not feeling up to it, you don't have to do this today. And he said he wanted to. So. I mean, I think there's no question. I'm a warrior. You I'm are? A, oh, I'm brave. Yeah. What am I going to oh, sit, like... sit out there in the living room like a schmuck? <laughs> like, no, I know. You guys podcast. Huh. I'll be yelling my takes I was going to say, you would be talking the on the couch. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And it's fair. It's like my Boilermaker take. Like, if I'm not going to run in it, I, I have a hard time going to watch it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to be involved or I don't need to be anywhere near it. Yep. One or the other. Uh, so, uh, a couple things we'll get into really quickly. Uh, first... Shout out to uh, the big boss lady, Kate Riley, for her great article in the OD yes. today, if anyone read it. Yeah, or, uh, it was great. It was awesome. wonderful. Wonderful to see. Yeah, she always does nice work with when she does her. I saw her at the house a couple days ago sort of working on that article, and I know how much time she spent on it and how much she really wanted to, like, get everything perfect and get everything right. So I know how much that meant to her, and it came out really well. I thought she did a good job. So if you haven't seen it, go to the OD and check it out. It's this week's Guest View, Young Visionaries Need a Fair Shake. That's the name of it. I saw her on Twitter already defending the fact that she's not, in fact, calling herself a visionary. She mm-hmm. she wants to make that very specific. Mm-hmm. She meant it as a broad statement. Young visionary. <laughs> um, you know what I think is funny? I've had the flu for the whole weekend, and not until podcast day today has it affected my voice. Yeah. I noticed that this morning when I was talking about it. Well, you know what it is? I think when you get to this stage of the cold, it's after a couple days of like the, uh, the coughing and the, all that kind of stuff and the hacking up... Uh, I think it just sort of burns your voice out a little bit, right? Like that's. I think that's definitely what it is. Yeah. I, I, don't, I wouldn't even mind being sick if it wasn't for like the coughing. Mm-hmm. The nonstop coughing is horrible. 
Oh, yeah, no, that's that's actually the part that I think wears me out the most. Like, I've been so sick sure. with coughs and stuff at the mm-hmm. times where I'm like, you know, I could be dead right now. Sure. If I was dead, I'd no longer be coughing. Oh, I was thinking be... that just the other night when I was laying in bed. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was laying in bed coughing, feeling horrible. I'm like, oh, Lord, just take me now. <laughs> yeah. I've, had a, I've had a great take run. Take some honey. Take a teaspoon of honey. I've had a great run. I'm taking all sorts of stuff. Take it. I am flying on medicine and fevers. Right uh, so a couple things really quickly. Uh, it is a snow day today again in Utica because of this weather. Uh, I'm really digging all the snow days. This is my first be my first day back are. from vacation, and yet somehow my vacation extends one more day, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm feeling it. Uh, I'll just ask. I'm gonna ask every week until one of us says yes. Has any of us done our taxes yet? Oh no. No, Kevin, you done your taxes yet? No. no. I've been sitting looking at my tax stuff in my room, and I haven't decided to do it yet. Um, never in any real rush. I've never been in a yeah. I like it takes, to do it. Takes it. twenty minutes. So just I'll do it. Yeah. yeah. I'm ready to do it because I keep thinking to myself like I need to pay you want some money. Bills. Need that money. Need that, need money. that money to pay some bills. Need that so money. Your percentage is going to be lower this year. That's what I keep hearing. I, I've heard a couple people. My well, I know some people close to me who said that their taxes, uh, their tax return went up this year. But in general, mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff yeah. I've been reading is that for the most part, like 17% of the things, like 17% lower than it was last mm-hmm. last few years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't ever get huge tax turns anyway. So, I mean, we'll see. I'm, I'm very curious. I'm actually really curious They're to see. They're so fun to get when they come in, though. So oh, yeah. I feel like it's always exciting, like it's Christmas. I, too, enjoy receiving money. <laughs> well, I think somewhere along the way, and I forget what job it was that told me that I need to, like, check zero on my tax return so that it takes the most out of my mm-hmm. thing so I get the biggest tax return. Mm-hmm. I forget what job at some point in time taught me that, but that's always been the reason I look forward to taxes because I feel like I've never, I say it, you know, knock on wood, I've never had to pay money when it came to taxes. Like, yeah. I never got to a no, point. No, you've never made enough I've never money. Had yeah. you got to, like... You gotta pay. Yeah, most of my time I'm getting money sent back to me. Yeah. So, all right. So no taxes. Uh, snow day. Heather, you did not go skiing this weekend. No, I did. You I went on. Yes, you did. I went Saturday. On Saturday, you did not go on Sunday though. No, I just sent you the picture. Yeah, just yeah. Feel like I survived. <laughs> did I talk to you about my my cross country skiing trip that I went no, on? No, you didn't. We haven't talked. Okay, so I went cross country skiing for the first time. Mm-hmm. I broke, took a bunch of kids with me up to the Black River Outdoor Educational Program. Shout out to the folks out up there who had a really good job, like showing all the kids what to do and getting us all hooked up. Really nice time. I'll say this. I think I could have figured it out if it was just me out there, right? Like if it was, if I was out there with like more time and at my own pace, um, I feel like I could have figured it out because I was kind of enjoying it. Mm-hmm. But because I was chaperoning children, it kind of ruined my vibes for getting any real opportunity to get a minute out there. Like I went on one of the quote unquote advanced courses, right? So I could go with those kids because yep. no one else wanted to go. I was like, all right, I'll just, you know, hang out in the back. Within, like, five minutes, one of the kids had fallen over a couple times. I was like, oh, I'm hurt. I, I want to go back. And I'm mm-hmm. like, are you hurt? Or are you just, just tired of doing this? Yeah. <laughs> are you tired of falling over? <laughs> I think you might be tired of falling over. So I had to go back to the campsite. So I did miss out on a little bit. But I, I kind of see what you're what you're into about it. It's it's. I don't really like cross-country skiing a lot. Like, really? I, like, I just do it kind of for the fun part. I like the backcountry skiing where we cross-country ski up to the top of wherever we're going or trails are going and skiing down. See, now this is where my problem lies because I didn't mind the cross country port, uh, part where I'm like going yeah. a little bit of a pace. I could not understand how to slow down going downhill. You can't. I, they're, it's hard. They're not meant to. They're not like skis. I'm sitting there like using the 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 sticks. They're like no. trying. No, terrible. The worst. No, I wish I could not. see you. You're falling over. Never skied in my life, and I know that's not how you do <laughs> no. it. That's not how you do no. it. We do. Um, I teach our son. You can do a pizza. 
It's like anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like you do the little with the toes, do right? Pizza, yeah. yeah. I tried to do that, and I felt like it did slow me down, but it also like pointed me directly at the snowbank <laughs> that I would hit. Like I couldn't like do that, and also tur- I don't know. I needed a little more time. Uh, I'll say like anything else though. Once you've committed to the idea that you're going to fall down a bunch of times, it's not so bad. Like I fell down about two or three times, mm-hmm. and by then I was like, yeah, okay, it's you know, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna fall down. So it's <laughs> kind of like skateboarding, probably the same kind of way and things like that. All right. Let's move on. I actually watched the entire 2018-19 Oscar Awards, the Academy Awards, last night. Kevin, you were forced to watch them because I watched the whole thing. Uh, and Heather, you actually watched them, you told me. I watched, me. Um, I don't have it live, but I was following it on Twitter and like watching segments as they were coming along. Very so. good. Um, mm-hmm. I have a bunch of things that I wrote down that I want to talk about briefly. But before I dig into like my stuff, Kev... You sort of were forced to watch it because I watch the Oscars all the time. What was the what's the moment that you at the end of the night still were thinking about? Anything that you were Nothing. thinking about? Nothing and afterwards. Literally not, I, I genuinely like I'll do it. I'd do it for jokes. Like we say it. I don't understand the draw at all. No. We watch the whole show. I don't understand a single ounce of the draw. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, I actually there were some moments I liked and there were some yeah. moments I didn't like. Uh, I do like listening to like the actors talk i like hearing all mm-hmm. the actors speak and i did sort of enjoy there were a couple moments when i like when people who win... oh i liked um amy poehler and tina fey and my rudolph oh yeah yeah they were very I funny those three they were good they were funny right off the bat was there any moment for you off the top of your head Heather, you um think? yeah uh jimmy shin when he for um solo which with, one? Um, Alex Hannell. Oh, oh, free, the free solo That was a really movie? big deal to me. Yeah, Because yeah. it really brought notice to extreme sports of skiing mm-hmm. and rock climbing. Yeah, yeah. So That's for really me, cool. I was like, it really was a good night for if you're a rock climber mm-hmm. to see that kind of lifestyle up there. So, and it was a great documentary. So I was very happy. And he's amazing. I was genuinely pleased when Regina King won. Absolutely. Right off the bat. I love Regina King. I always go back to like, think, I always go back to Friday, which is the first thing I think of when I see Regina King. Mm-hmm. She's in so much stuff. I forgot she was like the voice of the characters on the Boondocks, which is a show I used to like on TV as well. Uh, I was happy to see that. Uh, I thought uh, Olivia Colman winning for Best Actress, which she was the, the British lady, and mm-hmm. she yep. won over Glenn Close. Yep. That was probably the most genuinely like heartfelt, touching moment of the evening because she really did look genuinely surprised yeah. to have won and like was overtaken by the moment and that sort of moment was kind of cool. pretty charming Close, i liked her speech yeah i think that was like glenn close 12th nomination or something uh, i actually <laughs> like, it's funny never... you say that i pulled up the list she is the she's <clears throat> tied for the most uh oscar nominations without actually winning she has seven uh there's a lot of people on this list who you know i'm who have a lot of nominations i'm surprised have never won uh who's the one i saw here that was really surprising to me um, oh God, I'm like scrolling through the list now. I can't find it. Uh, Peter O'Toole has eight. Glenn Close has seven. She's never won. Oh God. Oh yeah, Amy Adams. I'm surprised Amy Adams has six uh, Oscar nominations and never won. I'm oh. I, I'm surprised she has that many nominations. I didn't think of that many movies that she was in. You She's I mean? always getting all so ran out there. Oh yeah. Um, uh, other than that, uh, there were a couple. I like people were talking about the fact that there was no host. I felt like I didn't really notice that there yeah. was no host one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone on the internet today seems to be talking about Lady Gaga and so, Bradley Cooper's awkward performance where they. I don't. I don't. I don't know what the big deal is. I think that they're just acting out what they're supposed to in, for the movie. Yeah, I, I watch th- it and I go, if they went up there and they didn't sing like they did in the movie, it wouldn't be so passionate. It wouldn't have been what it was. Well, from I didn't see. I've not seen A Star Is Born, but from what people on the internet were telling me, like he, Bradley Cooper, 
came up and sang the song not as his character from the movie, like didn't use the voice for the character in the mm. movie, but sang it like Bradley Cooper, the actor singing a song. And that sort of threw people off. Now, I didn't see the movie, so I didn't notice that. I, I did think to myself, I was like, wow, they really, these two really seem to like be into each other. Yeah. I don't know if it's just the intensity with the performance. I think that they just had to do what they were supposed to do. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> that's what everybody loved about the movie. And, yeah. that's, and that part of the movie, so of yeah, course. selling the drama. So they, they're, they're they went li- up there and they played it out. They're exactly. literally trained performers. Mm. Yeah, so I don't think Performing. it was anything more than I that. I thought she came off actually really charming last night for the most part, I Lady thought, Gaga. Yeah, she was fine. overwhelming to me. You thought it was, she, <laughs> she was, was a little bit yeah. overwhelming to me. <laughs> uh, I don't know, I think maybe just interesting to see her out there like front and forth. Uh, Front and forth, every yeah. she's in every shot. Basically, it's like getting into a flashback machine. Yeah. So like ten years ago. Uh, do you want to watch Roma any more or less after last night? I didn't watch anything for a while. Nah, I mean, I, still, still registering zero excitement <laughs> on my scale. Um, and do you have any thoughts about the outrage machine being so upset about Green Book winning from last night? I've seen a lot of people angry about Green Not Book. Not really. Yeah, I mean, I'm used to the Oscars not picking. Yeah, like, I, I, the Oscars, whatever movie wins, it only has as much power as you give it. Mm-hmm. No, I don't care because I don't care. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I so know, I I whatever. Like, I feel like this year with the Oscars, it was more relevant than it's ever been, though. I think and everything then, now is even more the, relevant. I mean, I never watched the Oscars. or No, it is, though, but you know that they're... I don't know. I just I dug it better this year. I, f- I found the show to be shorter. I thought they did a good did, job like of trying to... It was like an hour and a half shorter than yeah. it normally was. Uh, and even that, though, it felt like they were struggling to, like, get through everything as fast as they could. There were some people who got cut off. Yeah. Um, I thought the in-memoriam section was shockingly short. There were, like, a lot of people they didn't mention. Yeah. Uh, but, that, I mean, that is what it is. Um, so do you have any, other, have any other thoughts before we move on? I think we um, covered the two I wanted. Yeah, all right. So there you go. Oscars are over. Did you know that also last night, I have two more movie-based uh, things. Also this weekend were the Razzie Awards. Are you familiar with the Razzie Awards? No. So the Razzie Awards... the opposite. It's the opposite. Yeah. The worst movies of the oh, year. Oh, I'd love to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> Why isn't that made, like... I don't think they televise it. No, because I don't think a lot of people show up for it, right? Like, who's showing up to get an award for worst oh, performance? Funny. Sandra Bullock did. Sandra Bullock did, yeah. I respect it. Famously went and accepted her Razzie and made a speech. Halle Berry as well also went and did that. Yeah, I mean, if you're successful otherwise, I guess you can sort of yeah, have, like... Yeah, super yeah. beyond, like... So, uh, what do you guys, you guys, if you don't know already, uh, what do you guys think the worst movie of the year for 2018-2019 was? I can't think of what movie it would possibly be. Any yes? I already know. Oh, you know already? Yeah. Oh, you do? It was Holmes and Watson, starring Will Ferrell and John oh, C. Well, Riley. Yeah, that uh, would make sense. Yeah, big winner uh, as the worst uh, movie, worst director, worst remake, and worst supporting actor for John C. Riley. I did think it was interesting that Melissa McCarthy, who was nominated for an Academy Award last night for Best Actress, won Worst Actress for her role in The Happy Time Murders. That's funny. I respect that, getting the uh, the Razzie and Oscar nomination in the same year. That's kind of a flex. I appreciate it. Um, and uh, and that's it. I don't have any. And then Donald Trump won too, but I felt like it was like uh, it was seemed like a bit. Like they were like he got it for like Best Actor. In like a documentary about him, like that's kind of not. Yeah, that's I kinda, didn't even acknowledge. Yeah, I was like, all right, yeah, that's just to get clicks. On yeah, that's clicks. Um, it's all clickbait bullshit. Uh, all right, so let's move on from. Uh, I have one last movie thing. Uh, this week it was announced that Chris Hemsworth has signed on uh, to play Hulk Hogan. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, Hulk Hogan uh, in the biopic of Hulk Hogan's career. 
Uh, what do you think there's a better chance of? Uh, this movie winning a Razzie or an Oscar? Razzie. Oh, brother. Let me tell you something. You can't see him even being Hulk Hogan. I feel like that movie has the potential to be very entertaining. Um, I don't know if he's going to do the Remy Malik and win an Oscar for playing Hulk Hogan, but uh, uh, yeah, I thought that was I'd watch it, though. Yeah. Um, oh, that was one last thing about the Oscars. I could do with a little bit less Queen. I thought it was very Queen-heavy that we were really hitting the Queen I stuff. I haven't really watched hard. it, but I felt like he was, it seemed like he was pretty well-deserving of that. Sure. So. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not knocking I just felt like yeah. everything I saw was also like some Queen reference. Yep. I saw today um, one of the concerts announced for the summer at Saranac is a Queen tribute band. Oh, yeah, they had that on their... Fucking thing. Summer of Queen. Queen everywhere. I yeah. mean, I'm okay with that. So next year, they're doing that Elton John movie, so I wonder if it's going to be the whole thing in next oh, year. Oh, yeah, Is the Elton John machine now? Of course. Yeah. Evan help us all if he dies between now and then. <laughs> uh, a couple other uh, stories I have before we get to this week's interview that are not movie-related. Um... So uh, Heather, you're a, you're a tech you're a techophile. You love technology. You're a yeah, big Amazon person. You're real techie. You love tech. Um, did you read this week about the uh, Google Nest? Uh, it's Google Nest device. Uh, the new Google Nest Secure announced this week uh, that, that after February fourth, voice assistant will be coming to the Nest. So you can now have a voice assistant. Oh, cool. The problem is, uh, no one had ever been informed that There's the Nest mic. device had a microphone inside yeah. of it. So Google's getting a lot of flack. A little, little insider information from my own tech corner here. Everything has a microphone on it. <laughs> yeah. Everything you have is listening all the time. Uh, this was, yeah, this was their quote. The on-device microphone was never intended to be a secret and should have been listed in the tech specs. This was an error on our part. Uh, the microphone has never been oh, on. Oh, sorry. We totally forgot. And it's only activated when users specifically enable the option. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm. I feel two things here. Like I feel like, uh-huh. almost, yeah, you're right. You are totally right. Like, almost every device has. It doesn't hold your stuff long enough to even make it worrisome. I suppose you're right. No, yeah, like yeah. our Nest. Say, say, like, Alexa gets all my information that I'm saying. Their servers can't hold that your conversations are right. that long. Well, you know, so. that's, no, that's, that, really that's a good point, be a too, big, because it's, it's not really that big of a deal. And it's not something that you connect to Wi-Fi. <laughs> you know what I mean? So since it's not connected to Wi-Fi, there's no way for it to beam any data anywhere else, mm-hmm. right? That's connected to Wi-Fi. Excuse me, it is. Oh, oh I see. Interesting. I still I don't see. think it's that big of a deal. Because you don't want it to, <laughs> but it is. You don't want it to be, but just because you don't want it to be true doesn't mean it oh, isn't true. Man. Go, go sleep. Nope. <laughs> Guess go somewhere and go to sleep. I'm flying off these essential oils. <laughs> yeah, I saw you like droplets of them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what this is. is that what the hell is, is it? That I don't know. It says or... protective blend. So they don't protective work. blend. No, of course they, they don't. Do so they're scam. It's a scam for stay undereducated stay at home moms to pretend to make money off their friends and alienating people from high school. Oh my god, he's not sick anymore, guys. He is better. The oils work. He's I'm better. Maybe it does work. All right, quick crime quarter. Two people this week. Getting in trouble for stuff they did. The one that everyone's dunking on this week is Patriots owner Robert Kraft, oh, who's facing charges right. for soliciting a prostitute. Uh, two counts, first-degree solicitation. Although the part that I think was interesting to me was I read somewhere that, like, the maximum fine that he can get is somewhere, like, in the five hundred, six hundred $600,000 range or something. Which, if you convert that over to, like, what his salary is compared to, like, an average person's salary, mm-hmm. is, like, a $15 fine. So, I mean, like, it almost doesn't matter. Yeah. Again, this is more just a PR story, but, like, uh, always bad optics to be soliciting prostitutes. I'll just say that. That's all. Uh, and then also this week, R. Kelly. 
finally bailed himself out of jail today, but 10 okay. counts. Yeah, 10 counts of criminal sexual abuse Interestingly, R. Kelly. R. Kelly did not bail R. Kelly's self out of jail because he didn't have the money for it. Uh, a bunch of his female fans raised up the money. Oh. What is wrong with these women? These are the same women that follow Chris Brown. These are the same women at the Bundy trial. I mean, these are... It's true. This is a long stand. This is the women who marry inmates on death row via correspondence. Right. Well, he's guilty. They don't get their money back. No. It's... <laughs> Congratulations. Well, you, you get the money back if they're guilty. No, I thought if they're guilty, you don't get the bail money. No, as long as they show up to court, you get the bail money back. Oh, okay. Right. Okay, I learned yeah. something new. Thanks. Well, there you go. I know. Yeah. <laughs> hey. And uh, very quickly here before we go to break... Uh, Easter candies are out this week. I was at Walgreens. Kev, you were at Walgreens earlier today. Did you see all the Easter candies out in decor in full glorious display at Walgreens? I was, man, I was beeline and nah. I, was, <laughs> I wasn't there today. I was there like yesterday at like so the peak of my discontent and okay. health. I see. So I was not, and it was just so busy and they had one cashier on. Oh, so I wasn't looking at a damn thing. <laughs> well, if you are in Walgreens, right in the supermarket sweep style down to the <laughs> medicine aisle, yeah, yeah, I just yeah. got the cart. And I'm just running my arm down as I walk down, put one of everything. No joke, I think I dropped fifty five dollars on medicine. Got to do it today. Sometimes uh, it's it. important. I saw you got that big orange juice in there too, which is always a sure big sign. Big orange juice. I got the big Pedialyte too. I saw the big Pedialyte. I was like, that's I'm a that's playing. a pro I was move. Very dehydrated yesterday. Uh, so. Really quickly, I'm just going to hit you with some of the new Easter candies that are out on the shelf this year. Mm-hmm. You hit me with a yay or nay if you're interested in it. Okay. M&M's has a white chocolate marshmallow M&M. That's disgusting. Disgusting. So nay from you, Kevin. That not if I was homeless and starving. <laughs> okay. That's disgusting. Russell Stover is releasing a cinnamon sugar churro flavored egg. So like a Mexican churro. Nasty. No, not into it? Not into it. I'm into any churro flavored anything. I'm Ooh, a big fan yeah. of churro. Uh, okay, marshmallow peeps. Don't you make that face at me over there. Don't pop on me. I'm a three year old. Almost three Peeps has four new flavors this year. I'm going to hit you with ow, them real ow, quick. Oh, oh, oh. I love Peeps. Cotton candy. Nasty. Maple syrup pancake. Okay. Root beer float. Nasty. Blue raspberry. Mm. Mm, yeah. They also have a dipped marshmallow peep, which is a peep uh, that they dip into some sort of cream, like an orange cream. So, like a creamsicle you type peep. No. Okay, yeah. That gosh, buddy. All right. Uh, Dove Chocolate is making a white chocolate Man, carrot stop cake with the, chocolate. Stop with the white chocolate. Yeah, I'm not a huge... White chocolate... I don't mind, I don't mind a spot of white chocolate from time to time, um, but with the carrot cake, just no. No. Uh, and Cadbury is releasing their mini eggs that they always release, but oh, now they're going like to be that. shimmery. So now they're going to have a little shiny coating. Nah. I don't even want to know what that chemical is. Now that I'm thinking about shiny. it, when I was waiting in that crazy line <laughs> at Walgreens yesterday, I did notice... A proliferation of Easter candy coming from our friends at the Reese's factory. They've got, like, instead of just the normal eggs that they put out, which are, you know, an all-time great candy item anyway, mm-hmm. they've got, like, four or five different kinds of eggs, including the ones shaped like little Cadbury eggs where they wrap up like an egg. And the new thing they seem to be doing is instead of just, like, peanut butter, you know, like Reese's peanut butter cup style peanut butter in the chocolate, sure. they're putting little mini Reese's oh, pieces like mixed that. up in the peanut butter. So a lot of that stuff near the registers mm. yesterday. They have a bar Walgreens. like that too. It's a Reese's Pieces bar with little piece of Reese's. I also I saw something a couple of weeks ago since we're talking about candy uh, because they're all like all these candy brands are pretty much owned by the same two or three companies. Yeah. So they're making a Hershey's bar with Reese's pieces in it. Yep, I've seen that. I've seen that one. So like stir it all up and then mm-hmm. press it into so it's I a chocolate it. bar that you break into rectangles and it's got little Reese's pieces. In it. I want that. Since we're going full in on candy, I did bring home. Somebody gave me one of those M M&M and M. 
chocolate bars because M and M's makes their chocolate bars now. They had M and M's and almonds inside the chocolate bar. That was also pretty good. Oh, that shit slapped. What was in that? That wasn't almonds. Almonds. Was it? Yeah, almond and then M and M. It wasn't almond M and M's. It was M and M's and then chopped up pieces of almond right. inside the chocolate bar. Yeah, all right. It was pretty good. All right, so uh, end of candy discussion. Let's get into this week's discussion uh, with uh, St- uh, Stephen Keblish, who is he's a candidate for the uh, Utica Common Council at Large seat, which uh, we discussed a little bit about what that actually means to be Common Council at Large. Uh, really interesting discussion. Um, you know, he's running as a moderate Republican. I'm registered as a Democrat, so right off the bat, we sort of talked a little bit about that and what right. it means to be a Democrat and a Republican in a in a city like this. As opposed- Spoiler alert: nothing. Yeah, no, see, exactly. So we had a nice conversation uh, about what his plans are going forward and uh, why he decided to run. So let's get into this week's conversation uh, with Stephen Keblish. We'll be back to the show in just. didn't do it because you were on Talk of the Town this or last week, and I was also on Talk of the Town last week, and then I didn't want it to be some big thing where we're all, like, existing in one big circle on top of each other. I'm like, well, we just, was just on the show. <laughs> and you were also on the same day as my buddy uh, Delvin Moody. That's right. We were right one after the other. Yeah, yeah. So it's a weird little circle of, uh, of media of media influence here. That's right. <laughs> Steve, it's a pleasure to have you here. It's, uh, it's very nice. I appreciate you coming out in what is... It's a windstorm outside. It's brutal. It's a, a crap storm. It's, it's horrendous. I can't believe it. Uh, but I, I respect that you came in uh, yeah. during this crummy weather. To come I was to almost here, and then all of a sudden, Domenico's disappeared entirely. It's gone. It just Look what happened. <laughs> I actually have to say, when you were coming up to the to the doorway, I looked out under the front porch, and we have um, we had the little lattice gates in the front of our our house there on the sides. And one of them very clearly seems like it's about to blow off. And I'm like, mm, I wonder if I want to chance it before the storm ends. The awning at uh, Utica Bread has blown off. Oh, so the much. Black tarp. Uh... You know, and I got to shout out to my mom. Because let me tell you, my mom called me yesterday to, and said, are you ready for the windstorm? And I said, what windstorm? And she said, gah, you and your sister, neither of you know what's going on. And they went into this whole tangent about windstorms. And I was like, okay, okay, cool. And I hung up the phone and I was like, uh, I told Kevin, I was like, hey, Kevin. We're getting a windstorm. He's like, oh, the wind. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, and now uh, I feel bad that I didn't take her seriously. It's just a disgusting wind snow blizzard. And she was totally right. Sorry, Mom. Uh, I appreciate you. Um, so, Stephen, I'm going to screw your last name up. Is it Keblish? You got it exactly Is that good? right. All right. Yes. I feel like I'm the worst when it comes to pronouncing people's last name. Well, you are also in the same boat as I am. <laughs> I uh, think we both suffer from that. And... Uh, much like I always do before the show, I like to, again, uh, so you are as a candidate for Common Council at Large uh, for the city of Utica. Um, now, I want to say, just get it out on the, on the air right now, I am a registered Democrat. I, I've been, because that's what they told me to register. No, no, they, uh, when, I, uh, when I registered Sharp for... Take of hair, yeah, no, right. When I uh, registered, I had to register as either Democrat or Republican because I wanted to vote in the primaries. Right. So when I was 18, they're like, 
pick one or the other. Right? Don't pick independent, which I thought was weird at the time. Now I feel like a lot of people want to be independent. Uh, but I don't normally have lots of Republicans on the show. This is a rare case. I'll try not to uh, be too liberal for you. That's <laughs> right. I can uh, go to extremes here. No, <laughs> no I, I appreciate you. And I, I think, and we were talking a little bit about it before um, before we turned the mics on. Uh, I think the idea of Republican and Democrat, um, especially because I work in schools with like a lot of younger kids, I think the idea of like having to pick a side seems very baffling to especially the younger younger audience, younger generation. And I also think at a local level, you get to know people in a way where that label doesn't seem to mean what it does when someone says they're a national Democrat or Republican. I tend to think those labels mean less in smaller communities, at least just in my experience. I don't know if that's something you felt, but no, I agree. Well, you know, there's. Uh... The brand identity of the parties, which is propagated by national media narratives, right? right? Exactly. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, there, you know, uh, we've been through uh, in our lifetimes, uh, growing up from uh, the '80s through the '90s, and going through the advent of the internet, the advent of cable news. Uh, both parties have gone under uh, some pretty turbulent changes, oh, and yeah. I don't know if you remember how. Uh, the Republicans used to suffer from all these calls for purity as old guard liberals were still in the ranks of the Republican Party around the country. And with people like Sherwood Buller exiting the stage, that yes. all came to an end on our side. And I almost feel like there's the same evolution now happening on the Democratic side where there are there are now conservatives still hanging out in the ranks of the Democratic yeah. Party that are now being uh, ousted. Well, I don't mean to get right into politics right off the bat since we're talking about it, though. Uh, I was looking at your uh, Facebook page, and I'm going to the, not your personal Facebook page, but your one for um, for your, for your for the, for the campaign. And you wrote yourself as a moderate, and I'm, I think that's, uh, I think there's an interesting dynamic that exists now between um, what is considered like a moderate or a centrist or whatever that term would be. What do you think? What do you think, in your opinion, it means to be moderate in 2019? Honestly, I I was uh, proud to call myself a conservative all my life, and mm-hmm. I grew up in the country. I grew up in a rural area. I had very few neighbors, and the only concern one would have out there is are the roads plowed. That would be your only concern right. for government. Mm-hmm. And to be conservative was very easy. Mm-hmm. The uh, social community. Uh, um, financial questions that would dog most uh, political systems didn't really dog you when you're in the country. It was very easy to be conservative. Yeah, yeah. And it was very easy to call yourself a conservative sure. because it, what would you call for? It's not like you're going to ask for a uh, public institu- a community yeah. center to be put on your road. On the yeah, country farm. road. Yeah, yeah. Right? You wouldn't <laughs> exactly. call for that stuff. Well, now living in a city like Utica, uh, having done so for about six years now, you realize that. Uh, it's not easy to call yourself a conservative or a liberal, liberal no. anymore. In fact, I love the ambiguity of uh, moderate, and I'm glad you asked what does it mean, because for now, it's it's a pragmatic approach. It really just means trying to find um, solutions to problems, no matter what those solutions might look like. Um, and the only real questions left for moderates are, what are the, what are the values, what are the terms of success uh, to define those things? Mm. And I think that's where the biggest conversations that our community need to take place right now. So my stepdad is a, I guess he falls in this sort of category of people that I know sort of exists out there, is a guy who probably would have been a Republican 20 years ago and now sort of falls in that liberal conservative thing, Probably primarily because he does not like Trump. I think that was a big push for him. He's like, I can't, you know, I wouldn't, I don't think that was the only thing that pushed him over. 
But I sort of wonder, like, he exists in this group of people who sees himself as sort of socially liberal, but, like, fiscally conservative. This sort of in-between both. And I wonder, and he sort of wonders if that's where we're going as a country, if that's what will be successful. I wonder if that's where people are going, if that's what people still want anymore. You know, that's interesting. I used to kind of use those same phrases to describe myself. But uh, in a lot of ways... um, I'm actually becoming more socially conservative, and it doesn't mean along the terms of the traditional, um, let's say, family value fights that we've been seeing play out in our national narrative, and not necessarily along the lines of like, uh, you know, I'm I'm pro legalization of uh, most drugs at the moment, but I don't think that makes me socially liberal. Right. Uh, It's more more civil libertarian. I want people to have freedoms. Right. But when I say socially conservative now, um, I mean I want to instill a sense of responsibility in people that they've kind of let go. Mm-hmm. Um, conservatives always talk about how uh, it's important for people to have individual responsibility for their lives. We can't have government taking care of everybody. Uh, people need to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, they preach that and only talk to the government side of that yeah. and never actually put forward the cultural and leadership uh, discussion that needed to happen in order for people to actually lead their lives like that. And, uh, and that was completely missing. And it's crazy, too, because I just, I've been watching, I don't know if you're a Netflix guy, but I just started watching this Netflix documentary, The 2000s, right? And doing the whole, like, different, all the different things in the 2000s. And one of the things they talk about was bailing out the big banks and why they did bail out some and why they didn't bail out others. And that was the first time in a long time I really thought about that as an adult. Like, go back and watch, like, wow. Like, to take over uh, something, that's very against what we would have thought. Like, typically, in the capitalistic system, if someone had just died, like a bank like that, you would have just said, well, hey, that's the way it goes. It feels like that was the first sign of like a changing world, that things were Maybe. different. I, I wonder. It felt like a weird. It was weird to watch it in hindsight. I think the wake up call for that was the question of scale and how yes. uh, you know when you use phrases like "too big to fail," right? Too big to fail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what that's that a problem that infects <laughs> a lot of thinking. It's not just our financial institutions. We think of uh, anything where we have some sense of stability. Let's even say Walmart for a second. Mm-hmm. You know, I think. Walmart is universally reviled, but if we yeah, were to so. if we were to extract WalMarts from our communities today, mm-hmm. Amazon wouldn't necessarily be able to pick up the slack. No, people I, wouldn't be able to get their necessities right away. Exactly. We we have let these uh, large scale um, systems replace everything that would have allowed for like an in- incremental mm-hmm. change or an incremental mm-hmm. uh, solution. We didn't do, we didn't make incremental changes going forward. That's what that's the other thing I think about too. As a as a guy who sort of grew up. Uh, with the internet sort of showing up in my life around 15 or 16, like this idea of the internet and technology sort of growing from there. Um, so much of my life now as a 33-year-old is around technology. The show is recorded on computers. Like, all my work stuff is done by email. We leaned into technology really hard as a society. Like, we just put everything into it. It always makes me nervous. That's like my Walking Dead moment. I'm like, what happens when all the electricity is gone? What do we do now? We got to go back? How are we going to fill in the infrastructure that we lost for all this stuff if something ever happened, you know? Well, isn't it ironic that both of us have notebooks? Notebooks. It looks like we both have a system. (laughs) We organize our notebooks around. I have to. This is something I adopted this year and I I think it's a lifesaver. Is that a a moleskin? It's a moleskin. I love them. Uh, I'm using the bullet journal method. If you Mm -hmm. haven't heard of that, go find it. Mm. You will. The bullet journal method. Yes, it's uh, it's a way of not only keeping track of your notes, but a way of keeping track of your life. Mm. 
Um, I used to have to sit on my phone all the time and just stare at it because I was feeling like yes. uh, the meaning of what I was supposed to be doing at that moment would just come popping off of one of the social media platforms and tell me what I should be doing, <laughs> right? And when I started doing this, I realized, no, I don't need this unless I need to go find something now. Exactly. And so I can leave it face down quite often and I'm not left with the uncertainty of where are the answers coming from. Now I've got it all organized. I, and, and it was an analog system that helped me do it. See, I feel like a, a shlemiel when I deal with the phone thing because I'll have moments where I'm like, no, I'm going to put my phone on the charger and I'm going to turn it face down and I'm not going to touch it. I'm going to leave it there for two hours. And then I'll come back to the phone like two hours later and have 19 phone calls. I was like, why do you put your You always have your phone on you. You don't have it on you now. I'm like, well, I, all right. <laughs> I guess I'll have my phone on me all the time now for just in case that one time. Uh, I want to get. I want to go back in time a little bit before we keep going forward because I do have a lot of stuff I want to talk to you about Common Council stuff, and I do want to get there. But I want. I want to know a little bit about where you came from initially. Uh, my research leads me to believe that you were initially from Herkimer. That's right. I grew Her- up in Herkimer, town of Herkimer. Town of Herkimer. I uh, uh, went to St. Francis to Sales School as a kid, and then went to West Canada mm-hmm. uh, from fifth grade through graduation. So uh, well, I have no idea. See, a lot of times when people come in here, they go to like Notre Dame or Whitesboro or somewhere. I'm sort of, I have no real familiar concept for what West Canada Valley was like as a school growing up because I'm like a Proctor kid. So like my basis for high school is very different than I think a lot of kids around here. I don't, it's very interesting. I mean, it was... Primarily a farming community. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a, a blinker and a stoplight in the entire... It was your grad class. Uh, it was 75. 75 um, total. 75 total. Ah. We're a class D school, so it was okay. small. Uh, but we've had uh, some notable graduates. So really? like uh, Rob Bauer, who was county judge, oh, wow. was class 89 nice. from West Canada. Um, Caitlin McCann, who uh, works for MVHS, is, mm. uh, was in my class with me. Mm. Um, so we've all kind of infiltrated over here into the Utica area. Well, that's interesting to me because I think, you know, I, I always talk to, I'll talk to a lot of folks who went to these sort of smaller school districts and like 75, my graduating class at Proctor was like 580. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, and I, I always think that that sort of, that scale and scope sort of, like when I went, when I went to New York City, when I went to these big cities to go do stuff and like play shows and things like that, I didn't feel, I didn't feel weird surrounded by crowds and stuff. Did it affect you, like, having such a small community? Did you feel like it helped build, like, close relationships? Did you know everybody in the community? Well, in a way, you did. Like, uh, at the winery this weekend, I had uh, two uh, customers who were about three or four years, maybe four or five years behind Mm me. And uh, I said, I don't remember your name, but I know you were in school with Mm me. And he told me his name. Like, (laughs) yes, I I remember your name now. And I'm like... There were there were fewer people in my entire high school than were in your class. There are people in my high school that I graduated with who I have never met. Never like met. not once, never met uh, them, never ran into them. That was it. Sort of was like its own little like you know you you lived in like these little bubble communities, right? Like yeah. hung out. And I did a lot of stuff because I was sort of like a drama club nerd, but I also played like lacrosse, and I also like uh, I don't know, I was kind of a troublemaker, so I like could kind of go wherever I wanted to. It was kind of interesting in that sort of ecosystem. Now I gotta ask. Um, well, let me jump on that right, because yeah, we yeah, had yeah. Uh, we had those similar kind of ecosystems mm. where it was like these yeah, yeah. are the musical and drama people, yeah, yeah, these yeah. are the the jocks, and there uh, wasn't hostility for us though. Did you guys have hostility between those groups? At well, all? it was too small to do. Too that. small, and yeah. I was one of the people who were kind of a crossover and all that. I uh, I would stay until five o'clock every day after school, yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much the entire school year mm-hmm. because of different activities. And oh yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think too for Proctor it was the opposite of that. It was so big. That you couldn't really have 
like, the cool kids, right? If there were, like, 10 kids who were, like, we're the coolest kids in the school, the other, like, uh, 1,500 kids would be like, okay, man, whatever. Yeah. I don't know who you are, yeah, yeah, so yeah. sure. Um, I think that did sort of affect me in terms of, like, I never felt like I had culture shock when I would go anywhere. Like, I, everywhere I felt, everywhere I sort of went, I would be like, yeah, this seems, seems like Proctor. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, again, I work in public schools now, so I guess that sort of defines me in that way. So West Canada Valley, you stay there all the way through high school? Yeah, and then I went to Brockport, and then uh, Brockport. So I was out there for about four years, and that's where I got my commission in the National Guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I was going to ask you about that because you do have a lot of. I went through your Facebook page, and you have lots of like military stuff. Too, I think too much for me to sort of break down all the different titles and and marks and stuff. But when did you did you have military background in your family, or what sort of drew you to that? Uh, to that? Well, yes and know? no. I'm eleventh uh, generation Mohawk Valley, wow, and really? I even had a, a like a great 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 grandfather hmm. uh, who was. We have his commission letter from wow. 1804 when wow. he was put into the uh, the militia of New York State. Wow, that's crazy. So that became the New York huh. Army National Guard. Huh. So uh, I'm not the first one in my lineage to have been in. Sure. Uh, and I most of my family who were military were more or less uh, the World War II generation. But mm-hmm. um, I uh, I had actually wanted to become a mili- uh, naval guy hmm. and chose Brockport because it had a um, a way to do naval ROTC with U of R, but in the end, I got recruited by my uh, uh, roommates, or my uh, hallmates, freshman year, into the Army ROTC. I said, okay, close enough, I'll do, and ironically, I'm the only one of us that's still doing the the (laughs) Army, and all the rest of them didn't even... Did you, I feel like it's one of those kind of things, like, I've met a lot of folks over the years, and I've interviewed a lot of folks in the show who have military background one way or the other. Some folks really seem to, like, love the, the, the order and what it taught them and, like, what it defined for them. And some folks seem to have sort of kind of negative thoughts in the hindsight. I think it sort of falls one way or the other. Did you feel like, uh, where were you, did you think when you went into the military, like, this is something I'm going to do for the rest of my life? Or did you, were you sort of unsure at the time? I, I, I think I was pretty unsure in the beginning. Yeah. I think very early on I was definitely going to be like, okay, do this for eight years and be done with yeah, it. Yeah, right, okay. Uh, I'll be 15 years in May that I've right. been doing this. So. And did you know before you got to your, your eight years, you were like, I'm going to be here longer than eight? Well, it, a lot of it was um, just enjoying it. Um, yeah. Now, I'm not a soldier's soldier, so mm-hmm. there's the guys who went through basic training and sure. – uh, are infantry types that uh, will love going camping sure. and doing all the stuff in the field uh, that uh, some soldiers do. Mm-hmm. I was always sort of a bureaucrat. I was a personnelist. Sure. So I've always been managing the HR systems mm-hmm. uh, and taking on roles as a staff officer. Which well, those can always be yeah. interesting and challenging in different ways. Which is something I think people don't think about when they think about military stuff. Sometimes they always think front lines, like boot camp stuff, I don't think they think about the mechanics of what actually goes into making it all work. You know what I mean? Yeah, and uh, so my experience in Afghanistan, for instance, I was... Yeah, I I got there uh, 2008. I had just come back 10 years ago Mm. this month. Um, Mm. I got there Easter Day 2008, and as soon as I got there, our unit had been given a task to stand up a biometrics mentoring team, Mm. which... No one knew what the hell sure. that was going to be about. <laughs> well, I was the executive officer of my company, which was just going to sit at the camp at Camp Phoenix in Kabul all year and pretty much run things the way they already mm. were. Not really a great leadership right. opportunity. Right. So they said, "Hey, Kevlar's just kind of bored. 
This major's kind of bored. He's kind of bored. Uh, we got these guys. We weren't sure what they're going to do. They made a, t- a team of eight out of us. Yeah. And uh, the colonel came to me and said, all right, we need you to keep an eye on the major here. <laughs> and they sent us off to get trained by the FBI at biometrics and forensics. And we uh, split off into two teams. So my team took the Ministry of the Interior. The major took the team that did the, uh, the Afghan National Army. So I had the police. He had the Army. And uh, we trained them on how to use biometrics and use biometrics to help them manage their force because they have no identity management over there. You know, it's not like here where it's like, hi, I'm Steve. I live on Genesee Street. This is my social security number. This is my birthday. They don't have street names. They don't have social security numbers. They don't even keep track of their birthdays. And some of them will go by first name, last name, and someone will go by my name, my dad's name, my, my right. father's wow, father's I never name. I thought about that, really. And That's they crazy. just switch it up, depending yeah. on huh. the culture. Huh. Now, you've been there 16 years, you said now? It'll be 15, 15 years that I've been doing National Guard. Uh, so, you're doing National Guard right now. What's is that? How often are you sort well, of like... at the moment, so I'm M-Day, which is me. That means you do that one week in a month, two sure. weeks a year. Yeah, they yeah. may have heard in the recruiting videos. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I've been doing full-time National Guard on and off, so... Um, I, I did uh, a few months down in New York City right out of, of uh, my first year out of college where I was uh, uh, down at Fort Hamilton. And then I was in Syracuse for two years. Then it was Afghanistan. Then it was uh, moving back home and running for Herkimer County Legislator. Oh, very nice. And then I got activated to be on the rear depth for the 27th Brigade's deployment out of Syracuse. So then I started working out of Syracuse every day again, but didn't move there this time. It's kind of a nomadic lifestyle. It's, you... it's actually, I feel like I was the uh, one of the pioneers of the gig economy, <laughs> right? Where you, <laughs> yeah, you exactly. stand by, and then there's a requirement. And then you fill the requirement, and then I've been the one who's been... Was that sort of appealing to you, though? Because I can see where like having something new and something to work on all the time and sort of like keeping itself fresh has got to be appealing to a certain aspect if you I, like that lifestyle. I, because I'm usually the one that was choosing to step away from yeah, all yeah. these... Exactly. Yes, I was. Once I felt like the problems were solved, mm. the systems were in place, I could kind of check out mm. and find the next set of problems to go deal with. So that's kind of what I've been doing my whole life is uh, kind of bouncing around from situation nice. to situation. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, so we're talking about Common Council at large. Uh, for people who don't know how this works, what does an at large uh, at large like seat mean as opposed to like a district seat? Well, I hope to get that well defined. I think there's a great opportunity here to make the at-large counselors much more active in our communities. Mm-hmm. They should be the facilitators of uh, our conversations in our community. I stood up the downtown community forum mm-hmm. uh, along those same lines where it's like, hey, there's need for conversation in our community. Um, as much as I love the Uticast, like, uh, it was only one-on-one, right? Yeah, for sure. And having a room full of people with different ideas, for sure. uh, different experiences, and then everyone get to hear... At the same time, oh, those yeah. ideas uh, was what was kind of missing. And Utica, um, you know, there's a saying, you can't steer until you're moving. For sure. Well, we've started okay. moving, right? Um, who's steering? And it should be the community steering the process, not not letting um, certain interests come in and, you sure. know, steal all of our momentum for their own interests. So uh, I'm trying to bring the community perspective on a lot of the big questions uh, to bear, and I think that's what a common council at large member should be doing. They represent the entire community. Um, they have a, a citywide perspective on things, so they need to keep things 
both balance between the ward requirements, the administrative requirements that the mayor is concerned with. Um, just kind of be like, I don't want to use the word elder because right now I'm excited with how many young young people are running, yeah. but almost be like a steward of the conversation that's mm-hmm. taking place in Utica. That's actually a great leader. And I was just going to ask, it does seem like the more people I know into the this common council position over the last, last eight years or so, it does seem to be trending a little bit younger. The whole local political scene here does seem to be trending a little bit younger than it, than it was so I guess I'll ask you, I can't ask you to explain why that is or whether it's a sign of the times, but for, for you personally, why did you feel like now was the time? Well, I, I do feel like there is a vacuum right now mm-hmm. where there's not um, someone picking up uh, the reins here and, and trying to make sure the questions that we need to ask are being asked, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I actually could speak a little bit to why young people are getting engaged. Sure, I love it. It is yeah. the information age. Sure. Almost everybody now has access to good ideas, to the, you know, how you can almost Google, how do I run a city? And there might be a YouTube video for how to do <laughs> An it. An explainer video, yeah, for right? sure. <laughs> Where in the old days, you really had to have, like, been through the trials of life to get that kind of knowledge. Now, yes, experience does count for a lot, especially when you're making tough decisions. Um, but that expertise is... Uh, best utilized on the uh, executive side where they do have like really tough legal and administrative mm-hmm. issues to, to nug out. On the legislative side though, where you have to make values judgments, you need diverse perspectives. Yeah. You need young and old, you need uh, every every uh, spectrum out there to be represented and uh, as, as well as possible. I it's obviously not quite attainable, but I have a, I'm not, uh, I'm not as great of a political mind as uh, some of the people I know. I tend to think of everything in sort of sports terms because that's easy for me to comprehend. And I always think of like, if you want a good basketball team, you don't want a team of just like five rookies because none of them have figured out what they're doing yet. But you, don't, you also don't want a team of just five old guys because it's not that you, you need that sort of, that combination of the two, the veteran leadership and the youthful excitement. And that's how you get something successful going. That's probably an outdated version of how a basketball team works. I know. Now it's just go get like 10 stars and put them all together on one team. But uh, that's neither here nor there. No, uh, I mean, that's a great point. And actually, <laughs> assembling the team is almost yeah. the, the most important task um, out there. I, that's, I should actually add that, you know, uh, as common council members, we also need to be aware of who's not at the table. And Correct. make sure oh, that really if there's not yeah. space, space is made available. And if the space is available and no one's sitting in it, we got to find out why not. And uh, that's another important question for our, our leaders to ask. Now, I want to ask you a little bit more about this downtown community forum. How long have you been – This was this your idea? Was this your brainstorm to do this? Well, or? when I was living in South Utica, that's where I moved in Utica first, mm. they had the South Utica Neighborhood Association, yeah. which yep. Jason Flemeth facilitates. Mm. And I said, Jesus is great. Uh, they bring in leaders, they bring in people who can um, help along any given community development line, um, and it met monthly. So when I moved downtown, uh, there was no such thing for downtown. Uh, The closest thing to it was an East Utica Forum, which wasn't really an East Utica. It was was always at Mount Carmel Church. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So so, it was like, is this downtown? Is this East Utica? It's not sure, but let's just make it. Let's make it clear. This will be the downtown community forum. Mm-hmm. And what's great about the downtown community forum is that it's a, it's everyone's downtown. Mm-hmm. So anyone who works there, anyone who uh, plays there, anyone who wants mm-hmm. to make a community out of it, 
has a place at the downtown community. Forum. Well, I think it's important too because I think it would be it'd be naive to not discuss the fact that like downtown Utica, that this particular area of downtown Utica going forward for the next like 10, 12, 15, 20 years is a really important like part of what happens to Utica going forward. Like where we sort of go as a city. And I know there's a lot of like diverse opinions about it. But one yeah. way or the other, if Utica is going to become what people would like it to be, that whether, you know I mean, like, whatever it is, like, some sort of renovation to downtown, whatever it is, probably has to occur anyway. I don't know if, I don't know what your thoughts are immediately on that. But well, I mean, that's that's yeah. uh, exactly the, the heart of the matter is if we want to have the downtown that people want to have, hmm. you have to define what people want, want to have, have yeah. mm-hmm. right? And uh, to me, our downtown is a very... Um, endangered species, especially yeah. here in upstate New York, where uh, if we didn't have the urban center that is Utica's, right? Yeah. Rome doesn't have it. Sure. Um, ironically, the best downtowns are like Little Falls, maybe Oneana, mm-hmm. Cooperstown, um, Clinton to some degree. Sure. But they're all small, small yeah, communities, small. right? Yeah. It's not like our region is going to go gather in one of these places. Uh, right, for that exactly. urban experience, right? Mm-hmm. So Utica, what Utica has is very important. It needs to be protected in, in a certain extent. And it does need renovation to some degree, but to what end, right? And yeah. uh, so, you know, I, I'm a critic of the plans for the hospital at the moment because it's mostly the incorporation of a lot of uh, parking lots where buildings used to be. I mean, Justin, I mean, Justin from Utica and I have spent many many hours of many days discussing parking lots and what a big deal parking has become over the last like 10 to 12 years downtown like it seems to be at the crux of every major conversation that's gone on uh since i can remember down there was where's the parking does this come with parking are we going to get parking i know that you know and the park you know and even for us for handshake city with justin you know his initial idea was for handshake city like the pitch was to be utica's backyard just a a green space an open space uh and now it just feels like there's so many different entities and so many different things that want to get like their hands in involved in something. It feels like there's so much going on downtown. It feels like a lot. And that's why I sort of feel like the community forum yeah. is a good place to sort of have these sort of discussions because there is so many people who want so many different things. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, there's so many problems to tackle, too. I mean, oh, my God. Uh, yeah. As much as uh, people are right to be excited about the direction the city's going, that it's on an upward trend, that energy seems to be building, oh, yeah. that investment keeps coming, uh, we're leaving a lot of people behind at the same time. And yeah. uh, to ignore that fact uh, is to our own detriment. Um, well, listen, I'm a history major, and I know that before I left for Brooklyn and like when I was younger growing up, a lot of people in Utica did not trust anything that went on Utica. It always felt like we were getting scammed, we were getting screwed out of something, G leaves or whatever it is. Like there's all there was always it always felt like we were about to like fall on our face and get the slide whistle. And I think that that mentality, even now, even in the days when things have changed a little bit, I think there's a concern that we are gonna like womp womp fall on our face again. You know, that that scares a lot of people, I think, too. Because they they especially people who've been here for more than 15, 20, 30 years. Well, I think there are ways to safeguard against that. And that goes back to my uh, discussion earlier about scale. That if we mm-hmm. are able to pull off things at a smaller scale, right? If we go too far in one direction, you only have to go back mm-hmm. at that same pace, at that same scale. Yeah. If we take a huge leap in the wrong direction, we can't, we can't take a small step back. We have to take a huge leap right. back. Right, exactly. Uh, and... When you have that kind of upheaval, that's that's when things, uh, you know, 
I, the uh, the overpass that they built through uh, Bag Square, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, they thought that that was a big step forward. Mm-hmm. In the name of progress, we hereby witness performance. There yeah. was a quote on the plans that they published in the newspaper. Yeah. And now, 40 years later, right, yeah. uh, we've got this huge disconnect. <laughs> Not only does it separate Bag Square, uh, Lower Genesee Street, yeah. from, let's even say, uh, where the train station is, but now even Handshake City. I know. It's... We're, we're up against this giant uh, overpass, and it's like, if only they yeah. had just done something smaller, we could have lived with it. I, it's funny, too, because it feels... I, remember I, I I worked at Taylor and the Cook for about a year and a half when I first came back from New York. I was friends with Tim, and uh, you know he was nice enough to sort of let me come work there. And I remember driving to, to Taylor and the Cook every day from South Utica. I'm like, uh, there's got to be a better way than me having to wrap around through the back of the courthouse building to cut through the side to turn onto Hotel Street. Yeah, yeah. it feels very convoluted. Although I will say, as someone who's lived here most of my life, outside of that one-year thing... I do like that the arterials starting to clear up a little bit now. If you're going from that North Utica through uh, the part that they, I can't think of the name of the street, I'm the worst. That part's starting to look good to me. That like overpass that they built uh, going toward North Utica. You know oh, so through West Utica. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking. That yeah. actually that's starting that to look real good. nice. It looks that real looks good. good. It feels like it made that drive easier, at least for yes. me now. So. I'm not, I'm not only here to rag on stuff I don't like. There are some things I yeah. do like. Well, obviously that was controversial too, but they have come to uh, appreciate what smaller elements, what smaller details make these projects successful or not. And, the roundabout uh, was controversial too. I kind of come around on the roundabout and not a square. I now. think it's very nice. I think they did a nice job at it. I think that, but I remember when they were talking about that, they're like, oh, how is this going to work? And I was like, oh, it works just fine. <laughs> it works yeah. pretty good. Well, the great divide now yeah. in uh, in our conversations is whether or not you think that our downtown should be a place for people to walk or a or, place for people right. to drive through. To drive through. Right? So and if it drives, I, where's the parking? You know, I, <laughs> I'm... I try to be the advocate for the people who walk in our downtown because yeah. that's how our downtown was built with by mm-hmm. people who were walking through it and biking through it or riding a horse through it. That was something else I actually wanted to ask you because you're a big advocate of biking. I know that you, you. I lived in New York for a long time. I know that in New York City, Brooklyn in particular, biking was a big priority. There were bike lanes everywhere. Like biking was a right. There's too many cars. There's too much traffic in New York. People had to rely on something else, and everyone was biking. Mm-hmm. I don't see very much biking in Utica for whatever reason. I feel like you would. It feels like that it's because there's less traffic, there's less congestion, you'd see more of it. Do you think that maybe there's something to the fact we don't really lean into sort of like this pedestrian-style traffic? Well, that's interesting. I, you know, the uh, uh, the paper had a, a story about how clogged uh, our streets were with bikes, but it, unfortunately it was from the 18, it was from the 1830s talking about, 1930s yeah. talking about the 1890s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how uh, the, the bikes had dominated mm-hmm. our uh, downtown. Now, I try to get around by bike. Um, I never put it away, but uh, with the winter, right, uh, I'm just walking now. It's a short walk from the Doyle to Lower Genesee Street. Right, right. And I just do that for now, but the other day I saw someone on their bike and I said, this is good. Uh, I'll look in the snow and I'll see the bike treads through the snow mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, I see people are still biking. Uh, that's a great thing about walking is you see so much more. Oh, yeah. uh, and uh, I encourage I everyone to walk through downtown. Uh, whether you want to or not, just go do it. Oh, yeah. Like, go learn about what's going on. Go learn how it feels to have cars whizzing by you. Yeah. You know, when, when you're outside of that car, and, and now you'll yeah. say to yourself, geez, maybe it is time for people to slow down. 
I mean, I, I spent so much time in Brooklyn and New York City where cars are secondary to humans. Like, I, it sucks to drive in New York City and Brooklyn because people don't obey the laws. <laughs> They'll just walk right in front of the street. They don't care. Like, yeah, hit me. That's fine. I'm going to the bodega. Like, I know you can't stop me. <laughs> that that mentality has not made its way to upstate New York. We're still kind of afraid of cars here. Oh, yeah. Well, I keep risking it. I, I will... You have the right of way if you're a pedestrian around the traffic circle oh, yeah. in United Square. No and I will no, not even look no both ways. Cares. I will just go. Oh yeah. Um, I, my my idea is is like someone's got to do it. He's got to do pedest- it. You got to go. <laughs> Utica pedestrians are going to be afraid. They just need to go do it. They need to real. You know, it's behavior changes attitudes, not the other way around. Uh, Steve, you have very active social media presence. I think I first started talking to you on Twitter. I think was the first time we ever had like a social media interactions, at least. Um, do you well, feel because like, you were the one of the only people in Utica that had an active Twitter, and that's probably why. I, well, you know what it was. I think I think that's just a time and place. I'm 33. I've been on Twitter for about 11. Like I hit Twitter at the right time. I was yeah. like 21, 22. It had just, just come in. Years. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I was writing that in the early part. So I think that I have a lot of like, for example, my name, my, my personal name on Twitter besides the Uticast one is SF Doom. Right. right? SF Doom is a reference to a rapper, MF Doom, who I really like. Uh, but um, because he's like a famous rapper, if I got rid of the SF Doom handle, I'd never get it back. Because there's about 15 people on Twitter who are like SF Doom 1, SF Doom 50, like SF Doom uh-huh. underscore. Yep. So I'm like, no, I'm the only, I'm the original SF Doom. I can't get rid of it now. <laughs> so now I'm stuck with it forever. Uh, do you feel like, though, in this current uh, sort of political society, uh, most people who are running for a political field are running in this sort of. Uh, Avenue has to has has to have some social media contact with people. Is it a necessity now? I don't know. You know, it's very interesting because where where I see all of Utica having a conversation online is nowhere. I, it seems like everyone's in their own smaller universe online at the moment. You could say that to some extent, uh, if the OD or the or WKTV drops a story that's controversial and you've got uh, 300 comments popping up, yeah, yeah. that that's a community conversation. Yeah. But really, you're getting people from all over the region right. talking right, about right. that stuff. It's not just Utica. Mm. So it's, um, I, I have two things to say about it. One is I think all elected officials in Utica need to be more active on social yes. media and more accessible by mm. social media because... I don't think anyone is doing it well at the moment. I no. mean, Joe Marino is probably the best example at the, at the at the at this moment. I mean, Joe leaned into it, but he's running for mayor too, yeah. so he's he had to have prepared himself to get to that point. I mean, Joe was on this show the first time because he was active on social media, and that's where I first sort of reached. Right. And this is going way back early on in the show, but when we're on episode one ninety two, I don't remember the first time he came on. It was like episode in the forties or fifties. So, yeah. you know, even at that point in time, he was one of the few. Like people around here who was into politics who had an active Twitter account, and that's right. how this all sort of ended up coming together. So I do think to a certain generation of voters, it's important to have that platform at least to be able to communicate one yes. or the other. And but on the other side of that is, you know, make it make it so you're accessible, make it so you can push information out, but don't leave it to where your conversations are had. Yes. Get That's fair. Your conversations done face to face. It's much more of a marketing possible. tool. It's more of a getting people together and gathering people so that you can 
I think the best people. You well, know, it's, a, it's a platform, really. It's it's like the old stage that would be built in the town square where you would like, have your debate. I know or, that or uh, have your town crier. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that what's her name, uh, uh, Alexandria Sasha Cortez. She's very controversial with the way that she handles the social media. Some people really like it, some people don't. But the fact that she uses her platform to get people together and then like we'll put out a video and talk to people. That's something that I don't think a lot of politicians were doing and now all want to do. But I think being the first and being the person who sort of establishes this puts you in, a, in sort of a rarefied air with that thing. If you can be a little bit ahead of the game, you seem more authentic about it. You know what I mean? I'll have to look and see what you're talking about because uh, I missed that. Oh, she would basically I, like, go on and do like like live streams while she's making dinner, right? She'll like make dinner in her kitchen and then live this stream. This is AOC? It. Yeah. This? Yeah. Okay. That's All one right. of the first things she did. Like she would go out and then every, and then like Elizabeth Warren copied her. It's All like, right. You're only doing it because she did it, right? I was one of the people who were like, why are we still talking about her? She's one congressperson. Like, I, you know, I, I think, and that's a great question because I, I'm, a, I'm again, I'm a registered Democrat, but I could, I can't vote for she's not my district. So all I, it did surprise me why she became such this hot button topic. And I think it's because she's the first, the first congresswoman, first congressperson, whatever, who really does come solely from the digital generation where every part of her, she's 29, right? That means she probably got the internet when she was 12 or 10 or 11. Like, most of her life has been spent with social media, with the internet. And I think it, she feels like the first congressperson yeah. to come solely from this digital era. I can I see that. Because yeah, at least Stefanik, even though she was the youngest elected woman at the time, you know, she yeah, yeah. had spent uh, a, a solid career in D.C. beforehand. It mm -hmm. wasn't like she was having typical millennial experiences, yeah. right, where I think... Uh, uh, Cortez can say that, you know. And I think, and even with, and even with Trump, like Trump was a Twitter celebrity before he ran for president, right? He used a base that already existed. Like, say what you will about his Twitter, but he has like the. I mean, we were just talking about this in the podcast. He, he has like the eleventh highest amount of Twitter followers, full stop, right? So obviously, like there was a base there for people who wanted to hear what he had to say, right? It does probably give you an idea of who's out there listening to you, even if it's a flawed concept of what the numbers are. How many of them are, you know, what I mean. I have like 1,300 well, followers on the Uticast, right? But that's an interesting yeah. question because are they are they always following because they like you? Are they following now you because they think you're relevant? Too. Are they following you because uh, they want to combat with you and they need to see you like when you put something out? I think some people yeah. just follow you to get followed back too because I'll notice sometimes people will follow the show and then a couple days later if they don't get the follow back, they'll be gone again. Gone. It's like, what's going on? <laughs> Is this all like a tit for tat kind of thing? But yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, Steve, I want to thank you for for talking about all this stuff today. Uh, I do want to get into some lightning round questions for you. Uh, people can go uh, on Twitter snkjr. Uh, that's a Twitter, yep. uh, and I'll link everything on uh, you're on yep. Facebook and you're on uh, Instagram and all that kind of stuff. Yep, very good, very good. Yeah, so I got uh, the page on Facebook and the uh, Instagram. Uh, very cool page. Yeah, and I will link everything for our listeners uh, through the Twitter and through the website. So uh, check that out. Uh, Anything you want to say before? Any last words you want to say on uh, on council at large stuff before we move on to our lightning round questions? Well, I uh, I hope everyone pays attention to it. It could be a mm -hmm. relatively complicated race because you have to vote for three candidates. Yes, and so you have to choose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not, right. Okay. It's not just a matter of one or the other. Mm -hmm. It's it's who are your three favorite people out of all the candidates? Mm -hmm. And how are. many people all, will there be? At the moment, the seven have been, uh, announced their intention to run. Seven have or announced or indicated, okay. and it'll be three out of however many. Uh, so there'll be probably uh, three Democratic nominees, three Republican nominees. There there might be a third party nominee mm -hmm. uh, that isn't one of those six. We'll see. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, then when they go to vote, they have to. They have to look and see which uh, personalities they think uh, 
are looking out for them the best. And what's coming up next for Downtown Community fun, uh, Forum and coming up? March 5th, we have um, a follow-up meeting to our last meeting, which was about social infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So cool. we'll be at the public library this time awesome. instead of the Veterans Outreach Center. But that'll be next Tuesday, the 5th of March at 6 mm -hmm. p.m. And uh, we're going to have uh, a, a similar conversation about our social infrastructure, but it'll be... Um, more of a visioning session like what do you want to see happening uh for service delivery in utica very cool very cool all right uh lightning round questions uh steve i want to thank you for coming in here's our uh five or six questions that we ask everybody including one that i came up here just for you i usually do a uh, married corner uh parents corner for people who are married or have kids uh you've been married since 2013 that's right girl yeah uh yeah this question as a single man what was the biggest life change you had to make moving in with another person and sort of sharing a space with somebody else? Hooey. Uh, well, I guess I had to choose one side of the bed definitively. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm, I'm so used to just kind of doing whatever I want, like living pretty much on my own. I feel like I'd have to make a lot of concessions. Like, I'd have to get rid of all my wrestling stuff and all my dinosaur crap and all my, like, nerd stuff that's hanging up around the house. Got a lot of weird movie posters. Sure well, before I met Jay, I was living with my grandmother, actually, oh, okay. <laughs> which was great. Oh, was yeah, yeah, Nice way to spend, like, some end-of-life quality time with oh, a yeah, loved yeah, one. Yeah. For sure. I recommend people do that if mm -hmm. they haven't thought about going back to the extended family uh, lifestyle. That's true. But she was the cook. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well... When she passed away, it was actually the day of her funeral that yeah. I met Jay. So uh, I almost had this one-for-one -one uh, exchange with the uh, the cook in my life. So in that regard, nice. I had very few, very few <laughs> changes to make. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, all right. These are our six lightning round questions. Uh, I'm going to run through them. Uh, again, Don't you don't have to rush through the answers. I don't know why I say lightning round. It, just, it is what it is. Uh, Stephen Keblish, when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? I take it at UCR. With uh, room for cream, but, but I always put milk in and one of those little yellow packets. Very good. It's it's always uh, the question of which flavor will it be. And uh, I'm a big fan of the Southern that's Pecan. The I tell Frank Belize every time I see him that just please send me as much of the Southern Pecan. Oh, flavor. see, the coconut uh, cream is mine. I've been trying to be crazy. That was great. That was uh, great. Those are my favorites. Uh, when you uh, what was your first automobile? Man, it was a uh, Ford Tempo. I've had a Ford Tempo, a Ford Focus, a Ford Taurus, a Ford Fusion. You're a Ford man. A Ford Taurus, and now a Ford Taurus. So I've had almost exclusively Fords to drive my entire life. Well, in that case, you probably took a Ford to see it, but what was your first live music event? Oof. Um, well, we had concerts at Brockport, so ironically, mm. I, I'm one of the people who met 50 Cent. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> yes, in the club. Like, I love it. You know, I was always just like, you know, oh, yeah. country white boy, you know, uh, straight-laced, <laughs> and I can say I met 50 Cent. It's like, interesting that way. Um, if you could have dinner with any person, living or dead, who would it be and why? It, that's always great. And I, I, I have to settle on Abe Lincoln because Abe even Lincoln. there are so many people out there to choose from. You know, he has such a mythological place in our American history. Oh, yeah. It would just be nice to talk to the man as a man mm -hmm. and uh, kind of see him through all the veils of mystery yeah. that have been laid over him over the years. Yeah, I think he, something about the, the character, it seems like a very American archetype, like working hard and fighting through like stumbles, stumbles and falls and just like keep getting back up and keep doing his thing. Like he's a, he's like the world's most successful failure. If you look at like his career, like all the things he lost before he finally got to where he was. And I think it's, 
that sort of you learn so much through like failure. I, I've screwed up at a lot of things in my life, and I think you it helps give you a sense of uh, humble humbleness and like a yeah. sense of fortitude, which is hard to find if you've never lost anything in your life. Well, it takes a great combination of trust, yeah. um, to to. Uh, well, and perseverance to barrel through the layer of cynicism that one would encounter when yeah. they get into politics. Oh, yeah. uh, but once you get through to that other side and you realize, uh, yeah, not everything is pleasant and great, but there's still a lot of hard work to do mm-hmm. and we got to do it anyway, it's, it's nice finding that place. Okay. Give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Uh, how about this? I, I'm watching um, The Rubin Report every time it comes Ruben out Report. on uh, YouTube. So I don't know that one. It's, it's that um, a long-form conversation, usually about an hour and a half to two hours, I think. And mm. uh, I try to watch that every week just to kind of nice. get my dose of, uh, of learning. So uh, uh, you mentioned, uh, uh, maybe not on the air, but Larry Sharp was... Oh, yeah. Larry was he was there. on that show almost right around the same time he yeah. appeared here. Yeah. So that might be why I thought of it. I was laughing about him uh, because not too long after he was on this show, he was on Joe Rogan, and I was like just tweeting Joe Rogan every day. Like, yeah. why you Joe Rogan's another good one, but uh, uh, Rubin Report is a little bit more up my alley as far as philosophy and politics. I like Rogan just fine. My biggest problem with Rogan is always that I feel like he tends to end up in the same sort of headspace all the time, no matter who his guest is, sort of talking about the same kind of stuff. I feel like it always, I don't know, I feel like I go in spurts with Rogan where I like, I'm like, this is really good. And then sometimes it's just like, I guess it depends on the guest. Marin's gotten that way with me too now. Like, if it's not a guest I'm super interested in listening to, I'll save it for later. Um, all right. Uh, well, oh, I guess I'll ask you this. What, By the way, Oscars were last. And I don't know if you watched. you see any of these Oscar movies? Did I you see did, none of them? I, I, I did not. I couldn't even tell you who won. I used to be a, a fanatic. I, I would be able to tell you who won every year. And I, I got. I've lost touch. I get chastised on this show for even watching the Oscars and still being interested in it, and I'm sure I will again today when we do the rest of that segment. Um, last but not least, besides uh, community outreach, besides civic duty, uh, besides being a part of the political community, give me one more thing that you, uh, Stephen Keblish, uh, are passionate about. Oof. Well, I love art. I like uh, creating art. Um, mm. I think uh, I'm using writing as my nice. creative outlet at the moment. Very good. But. Um, I've put uh, art on the back burner for some time now, and uh, that's something I just love. I love creating. Yeah. I love being creative, and uh, I think that's where you can find a lot of meaning. Uh, actually, the Handshake City should be my other thing I should mention because oh, yeah. uh, getting my hands dirty and uh, and helping make all that come alive was just a what a great opportunity because you don't they don't well, often invite just a common citizen today to pick up. Uh, pick up part of the work and creating something you know it's yeah. left to the engineers it's left to the professionals it's left to the union it's left to all these gated communities and just to let the doors open and let anyone walk on and well, pitch in was great knowing the way you know you and i both know justin that's the way he prefers it that sort of hands-on uh get down into the dirt and uh and i appreciate that you came and spent time with us and it was very helpful and again you know Justin's always spoken really highly of you and all the, all the stuff you did to help us out. We do appreciate everything you've done in the years to just be sort of part and help us out. So thank you again, Steve, for joining oh, us. Oh, don't mention I love working. And, uh, and again, best of luck going forward. Thank uh, you. I'll link everything to the website. Thanks for spending time with us today, man. Uh, please don't be safe, please, on the way out of here. It's very cold. It's been my honor. Thanks for having me. Uh, we'll be back to the show in just a moment, folks.
Kemblish, uh, candidate for Common Council at large. Uh, appreciate him coming in, chatting it up with us. You know, and Steve, you know, Steve's done a lot of work with Made in Utica over the last, you know, few years and stuff. And um, it was really nice to actually sit down and have, this is like probably the first full, real, like, long conversation I've ever had. The most of our conversations are mostly like, hey, how are you? Good to see you. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to actually sit down and kind of put, like, a perspective to, to the guy I knew. Yeah, so yeah. that was cool. Um, all right, you guys are ready for history lessons. Just plow, plow right through them. This week, I didn't have as much time to research them, oh, thank so God. I don't have like a big long. Should I have, like two of them. I I mean I don't have this is it. I oh. don't have a giant oh, no, like highlighted, highlighted sheet or I, I don't have any of my paperwork. Okay. So we'll go through them as quickly as possible. Uh, on this day, uh, eighteen sixty three, uh, Abraham Lincoln, uh, who we talked about during the interview, uh, signed the National Currency Act, uh, making one uniform currency for the United States as opposed to each state having its own specific money. Uh, this stayed relatively unchanged until 1913 with the Federal Reserve Act. Uh, I kind of would have liked to see what would happen if all the states had their own money. It'd be interest, interesting to know. Like, I'd like to know the conversion rate for like how much is a New York dollar. Man, talk about a train wreck. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're like, a mess. This New York dollar is worth four Pennsylvania dollars. A mess. <laughs> we all be living together somewhere. <laughs> we can afford to. I like the I like the idea. Like I am curious, like about like all the different types of like currency that there were before there was like a system. Like I would have liked to know like what it was like when it was just like shells and rocks. It's like here's fifteen rocks. For a large disc. I was reading. I got caught up. I got caught up probably a week or so ago reading about um, different denominations of currency before, like electronic banking was more prevalent. Like yeah. you know, and like I'm talking about like early earlier part of you know 1900s and late 1800s and some of the different banknotes that we used to have here. Because back then you needed stuff to represent cash. So there's stuff like a hundred thousand dollar bill and like different things like that. Mm -hmm. And all sorts of different weird forms of US currency before just the ones we know today. Pretty interesting uh, Wikipedia deep dive I was Mm. on. Uh, Very good. Very good. Let's move on to the next one. On this day, uh, 1935, Babe Ruth, the Sultan of Swat, the great Bambino, Mm -hmm. uh, is released by the New York Yankees. And he signs with the Boston Braves in sort of kind of like a sad kind of end to his career, which I always think of when I watch that movie The Babe, starring mm-hmm. John Goodman. It's a classic film. Did we watch that? Yeah, I like, watched it. Yeah, but like not super long ago. It was on HBO, I think. I, I feel like on. we popped it on on HBO one day randomly. I feel like I've watched that since we've been living in this house. A classic, yes, for sure. A okay. classic Sam Famolaro like, movie I watched as a kid that I really like that I know isn't very good. Like, it's fine, but I just, I nostalgically enjoy... Um, uh, John Goodman as Babe Ruth. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's good in it. Mm-hmm. You, you ever seen that movie? When I was little. I barely it's, remember it. It's it was pretty, a long time I remember ago. watching that like at camp when I was a little kid, I feel like. I remember watching <laughs> it at camp one day. <laughs> There's like, my favorite part of that movie is it's super random. There's like a landlord that this uh, Babe Ruth hires for uh, this house that he bought when he's playing with the Red Sox. And the guy says, I'll stay on and keep doing the farming as long as you beat those Yankees. And he's walking away and he just goes, make them suffer. And that's the part that I always think about. Just this old, crotchety old man. Just like, make them suffer. And I was like, oh, man, baseball. What a day. My guess about your initial question was, Babe Ruth, sort of like Hulk Hogan, right? Not the best baseball player ever, but maybe the most important baseball player. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. Is there a more important baseball player like than Babe Ruth? like the first one I ever heard of no. or knew no. of when I was little. Close. All right, boom, I nailed that one. Wow. That was right on the head. All right, uh, on this day, 1969, the Beatles began recording Abbey Road. Uh, I looked up to try and determine this because I was genuinely curious. Uh, 
The Beatles, uh, what the top five selling Beatles albums, not what their like ratings were. People thought of them like in terms of actual sales. Abbey Road is the second highest selling Beatles album of all time. It sold 12 million copies. What do you think the first highest selling Beatles album is? Sergeant Peppers. Sergeant Peppers is third. And in that case, I have to say Let It Be. No, Let It Be actually is kind of low. Really? Yeah, it was number one. I'm surprised only because it's When they redid them all, like in the 90s. No, you can't cop that, I feel like. Okay. Uh, White Album? White Album. Yeah, I guess. White Album sold. uh, I like the White Album. uh, That's like 14 million copies, I want to say. I feel like the White Album is the Beatles album that people own because they feel like they should own it. See, I, mean? I feel like that's Sgt. Pepper's. I think Sgt. Pepper's hot take uh, is overrated. Sgt. Pepper's? Yo, yeah. I'm with you on that. I was Big actually shaking overrated. my head a little bit. Big I, time overrated. I think for me, it's Revolver is probably my favorite Beatles album. Kinda, I might be with you on that. Revolver kind of hits the, the sweet spot if between... If you carve the White Album into one album, yes. that would be my favorite album. Do you have any Beatles takes? Not over? really. Did you not like the Beatles growing no, up? Or? I didn't. No. I mean, like, I would if I heard their stuff, I probably yeah, like, yeah. sing along to it. Like, that's, you know, that's how it goes whatever. For a I mean, lot that's kind of like, yeah. like, like that's pop. the only, I'm, honestly the only reason I know about Beatles albums is because like even from a young I, age, like when I became friends with Sam, he was a Beatles fanatic. Yeah. When we were yeah. like 14, 15, mm-hmm. like before it was all the way cool to like be a Beatles guy. Yeah, I actually like yeah. the John Lennon Yoko Uno have a, a CD they did. Yeah. I actually like like a few songs. Yeah, yeah, Double that. Pleasure. That's a good album. I actually really enjoyed that. So uh, <laughs> I guess yeah. as far as Beatles goes for me. No, I like I, the John Lennon song, How Do You Sleep? That's a great song. That's a great song. I, I find that the singles albums that all the Beatles put out afterwards are actually really interesting as yeah. well. You wouldn't, there's very few of them that you would consider like classic. In Sam's the actually the world's biggest Wings fan. Oh, Wings. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Loves Wings. Wow. I do like Wings a lot. So does yeah. my dad. Uh, although I will say, if again, much like if I could take all the Wings songs I like and put them on like one album, that'd be just fine for me. I don't need like filler songs. Greatest hits band. Greatest hits band for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, on this day, 1996, Happy Madison Productions was founded by Adam Sandler. Uh, Happy Madison made all of those crazy. Uh, I them when I was those crazy Adam Sandler movies. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I'm trying to think. What's the quintessential Adam Sandler movie? Billy Madison. Billy Madison. For sure. I feel like it's Happy Gilmore for me. Okay. Uh, I feel like that's the one that I still laugh at the most if I see it now. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, I used to think that Billy Madison was funnier. Than Happy Gilmore, but as I get older, yeah, I, I realize that. that Happy Gilmore is a lot funnier to me now, yeah. at least. I actually find Billy Madison to be kind of hard to watch. It's a little cringy for me it's now. A little, yeah, it's I a don't. Know. I haven't. I haven't watched it since what? It's Eighth a grade. little bit like <laughs> yeah, dumb like head injury humor to some degree. You know, um, like he's literally like I mean he's he's mentally handicapped in that movie. Yeah, he's not. I, know, it's kind of I can't. Say, I can't say it's what he is. But like that's what he's doing. No, it's movie. true. Watched it. And it's like, he's a moron, right? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I mean, he's like he's just like a rich kid who didn't have to go to school because his dad was rich. And he goes, like that's the whole point is he's an idiot, right? He just can't like mm-hmm. think for himself. Right? I really, you know, no surprise in our uh, older circle of friends, maybe not people we see all the time now, but uh, the movie Big Daddy. Is, I like that movie. Is an all time mm-hmm. favorite Sandler for me. I was going. So these that's are the movies. Movie. These are the movies that he actually produced under his under Happy Madison because I think Waterboy was the one that came out right beforehand oh. and sort of like allowed him to oh, start. Waterboy was terrible. I hate them. Waterboy was a huge hit though. Like yeah. whether it, I, I actually things, a lot of terrible stuff hits. I think that movie kind of holds up when I watch it though. Like it's mm-hmm. still funny. I would have I, to watch it. Again. It's still pretty. I, I get a laugh. It was again. It. I don't like. I don't really get a huge kick out of him. Like eh, I'm a moron. Like okay, buddy. We get. Winkler's worth. I'm some no laughs. longer twelve. I don't know. Uh, so here's some of the cl- uh, classic Happy Madison films. 
Uh, Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo. Remember that oh, one? Yikes. Oh, yeah. uh, Little Nicky, directed by Uti Canadian yeah, Stephen Brill. Um, another one. Uh, Joe Dirt, The Animal, oh. with uh, Mr. Deeds, which I think is actually... I like that. I, I like Mr. Deeds. That again, was good. Mr. I, li- I like Adam Sandler <clears throat> movies when he plays like a regular guy. A regular dude. He might be kind of an idiot, might be kind of dumb here and there, but he doesn't literally seem like he got hit in the head yeah. with a shovel, which is like the <laughs> plot of Little Nicky. Yeah. I used to talk normal until I got hit with a shovel, and now I'm dumb. Uh, Ang- uh. Anger Management, Adam Sandler and oh, Jack yeah. Nicholson that together. Was good. Anger Management is a really fun movie. I enjoyed that. Um, that I good. do. I will always hold against Anger Management taking a little, little bit of my enjoyment away from The Departed. Yes, because That's... Jack Nicholson looks so much because he looks like, exactly the yes. same in The Departed as he looked in Anger Management. So every time I watch The Departed, I have a tough time taking him all the way seriously the way I would have taken mm. like. You know, De Niro or Joe Pesci or somebody. Uh, say what you will about Fifty First Dates. That was a huge hit. Oh, that yeah. movie was it's a, a nice big, movie. That yeah, bad. It's a uh, nice little movie. Longest Yard was kind Ooh. of a bust for them. Uh, Grandma's Boy is kind of an underrated never movie. Grandma's Boy. I've never seen underrated. that. Underrated. <laughs> what do you mean, kind of an underrated? Mm-hmm. Who are you? I think it was hilarious, but I don't think. I think most people are on. It's that highly movie. underrated. I think now. most people are on that movie now. You'd be surprised. Talk. You got to talk to people that. I think that movie's very funny. There's I, a certain there's a certain subset of the people who love it. Yeah. And then people who don't just don't get it. Yeah. I think this was a this was a movie that was like came out in 2006. It's like the wrong time for this movie to come out. Well, it also wasn't like released large scale either, I don't think. Well, I mean, let's be fair. Grandma's Boy is Openly a movie about weed. It's like a marijuana movie. Right? Oh, 100%. The same way that, like... It's 100%. The same way that, like, Dazed and Confused was a movie that in this, like, and that came out that people would get high and go to the theaters and go see, right? Okay. They couldn't market that movie, Grandma's Boy, the way that they could today, right? That movie, if you watched the trailers for it back when it came out, it was, like, a romantic comedy mm-hmm. about this guy who worked at a video game store and lived with his grandmother. Right, They, like, right. purposely ignored the fact that it was, like, a stoner comedy. Yeah, because they were the madness. Trying, yeah. yeah, all the madness. Now you make that movie and you market it differently. I think it's like video games are more popular now. Marijuana is more prevalent because yeah, video games are a huge like central tenant. Like they work at the video game company. And everything. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that movie came out too early. Um, I see. I now pronounce Chuck and Larry. That's still pretty good. I like that one. Oh, uh, I liked that movie. Uh, Funny People is a very good movie. Uh, let's see. Uh, Grown Ups one and two. Those made a lot of money. Paul Blart. I mean, again, these are all like low hanging fruit, but you gotta give him credit for like basically creating a production studio and just making money for himself for the rest of his life. Like he, yeah, it's just him and his friends going on vacation. He's got a following. Movies. Yeah, I mean, he gets it's that literally Netflix. just him and all of his boys shooting movies in like Hawaii yeah. all the time. Uh, and last but not least, on this day last year, Barbara Streisand admitted that she had cloned her her beloved dog twice. Uh, rich people problems. Barbara Streisand was on during the Oscars last night. Uh, she must have the highest. Like, uh, the highest, like, appreciation scale. of And, like, she walked out on stage, and every single person was on their feet, like, losing their mind for Barbara Streisand. I, maybe it's just a generational thing. I don't, I don't. It's a generational thing. It's a generational thing. They do it, they do it for, they do it for old people, too, specifically. Yeah. Because she's so old, you know what I mean? Yeah, or plastic surgery. Like, you trot out, you trot out somebody in their 80s who you don't see much anymore, everybody's going up for it at the Academy Awards. But I feel like she has, she has, like, a Meryl Streep level of. Like she does, like the every prestige, like yeah, the prestige is so yeah, high. Sure. Like her acceptance <laughs> level is like through the roof. Like sure. I can't think of anybody who gets that kind of buzz besides uh, Streep. I feel like Streep always like when she shows up, people lose their mind. For I her. feel like there's definitely some people you could try it out. I have to think about it a little bit. It won't make good radio if yeah, I yeah. think about it now. But I don't think she's the only one. 
Uh, all right, let's. Uh, that wasn't so bad. Let's move through the rest of this week's news. Most of this news, this week's news, is wild. Uh, so I gotta ask you guys a question. Did you read anything about cowboy pinball, or do you need me to explain this to you guys? I, I need you to explain uh, it. I didn't read anything about it, and I also don't need you to explain it to me. <laughs> okay, so over the weekend, uh, at the Owensboro Sports Center in Kentucky. Uh, two people were hurt while playing a game called Cowboy Pinball. Uh, the game involves volunteers trying to grab a $100 bill affixed to a bull's torso without leaving a... So they put $100 on a bull at like a rodeo mm-hmm. and then idiots chase it no and try and pull the $100 wow. off of the bull. Well, that's what happened. First two, thing I think, someone kicked throat and died. First off, if you volunteer to go out here and hassle this beautiful animal, <laughs> this, this this amazing beast, right, that's already being hassled as it is, you deserve to get gored Absolutely. in the chest. And I'm not going to feel bad for you when you hassle the animal and it kicks you in the face. Like, I'm just, you're asking for it. Uh, I just thought this was a wild story. Yo, I, it was a sad state of affairs that $100 that was the question. means that much. $100 is not enough. No, oh, it's like not that lot, much money. There's not enough. No. Like, that's really not that much money. No, you're right. <laughs> They're like rednecks. <laughs> I mean, I'll show you the video after we get off, and if you guys haven't seen it, go on the internet and go to Bull Bash 2019 Cowboy good. Pinball on Twitter, because that I'm was good. the event. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, again, there's like some Darwin Award shit, right? If you decided that $100 is enough for you to go into an enclosed space and hassle a large, vicious mammal with horns. I mean, you take that, you make that choice yourself, brother. That's all. That's all. That's all on you. Uh, also, this week, uh, Billy Ray Cyrus is getting a lot of flack uh, because he went on Twitter showing off his incredibly large, massive marijuana vault. Did you see that? Oh my God! Yeah, it's just a picture of him, <laughs> his wife, next to his giant vault of marijuana. Uh, this got a lot of flack on the internet from people being like, yo, mad people are arrested for marijuana. And here's like a dude, his dude's wife standing next to like a big That's giant insane. stash of marijuana. My question is, I feel like if you had that, why would you be showing it to and everybody? I think, Makes yeah, you wonder yeah, if it's not like, theirs. Well, because cause what are they going to do? Maybe they're at like some place where they really, at, did he say he was at their house? You, you know how much money they got? Not much money. I mean, I'm saying it's like you show when somebody come rob you. Good luck. Well, to be fair, like even in California, because I read a little bit about this, even in California, it's only legal to possess like like an ounce. Like so, even showing that much is probably enough to get you like a fine or jail. Unless unless he's got some sort of secondary business dispensary license set Mm -hmm. up, some sort of grower's license, an investment in a business, an office where in which Mm -hmm. he's distributing. I mean, I think because there's no way that's personal consumption. I have a feeling it's probably not. I'm looking at that right there. I mean, that's at least a hundred pounds. Like, oh you yeah, you wouldn't even keep, even if you were smoking all, if you were chain smoking, mm-hmm. chain smoking one after the other after the other, you would never keep that no. much at your house for any no. reason other than just like, oh, look at how much weed there is here, like a yeah, fucking yeah. moron. But uh, that's a great point, and uh, I just he got a lot of flack on the internet. I think. You can't be flaunting that stuff without expecting a certain level of blowback from people like yeah. again social media. Uh. So also this week, I thought this was interesting. Uh, local uh, local brewery Woodland Brewery has been getting a lot of burn because they have a menu dedicated entirely to the office. Have you guys seen this? We should I explain. Just, me, we should explain that burn about. means a lot of good attention. Yeah, good attention. A lot of good attention all a lot over of the good internet. Attention. Wait, is that is burn not a, a lot nobody, of good burn? Nobody knows what that means. A lot of good burn on the internet. A lot nobody of good attention on the internet uh, because of their Dunder Mifflin uh, themed menu. 
I will say, I would. I look Hasn't at, it been that way? Like I thought. I know. I don't feel like that's opened? anything new. Yeah, but I think it takes a while for stuff like that. It's kind of a small. I thought it was a big deal started. Well, I feel the only mistake they've made is that they don't like the gym sandwich isn't a tuna sandwich. Wouldn't you think it would be a tuna sandwich? They call them tuna on the show, right? right. Big tuna. I don't know. It just seems like a miss on that one. Good job of getting that that office cred. I love that the office is like such a huge cultural touchstone now. Yeah. I saw a place when I was at I don't remember where I was. I was at a brewery somewhere, maybe somewhere in South Florida, I think. Um, and I've seen other places do it since, but they were hosting. They had like specific trivia nights. One of them was the office, mm-hmm. and I thought that was a cool idea because I don't always I don't mind a trivia night, but it's always secondary. Like I'm not going out just to do trivia, but like I'll do it if like people are going and it's going on. But I think it's fun instead of just generalized trivia to go for something like real specific. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It was interesting. That's all. Um, I have. I'm gonna hold off on this category till next week because I don't think we need to do it. Um, so we'll move on from that. I have one thing I want to share with you folks today. I'm start giving out like a. Uh, uh, an article or something I read this uh, during the week that I really enjoyed. I read a really interesting GQ article this week um, by Drew McGarry. It's called Care What Other People Think. And it's sort of a, a, a diatribe about, like, the idea uh, that there's this archetype that exists about, like, not being interested in people or other people think about you and like, your opinions are your own. And sort of t- talking back about the idea that, like, it is important to care what other people think because that's what society and, like, living in a community is about, right? And, like, interacting with okay. other people. I thought it was a really good article. Mm-hmm. It's worth a read. Um, well, it's, even... a, it's, it's a nuance. And there's a, without reading the article, I'll ever tell you, like, there's a nuance in between the living and dying on what other people think of you mm-hmm. and the whole, oh, I'm going to just say I don't care what anybody thinks so that way I don't ever have to be yeah. held accountable for who I am or what I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a middle ground in between those two, and it's important to not skew too far to either Absolutely. side. I was a good article. It's it's worth the article. He's a pretty funny writer. Um, All right, and last but not least, uh, this is something that happened to me uh, earlier this week. uh, I've been on vacation last week, right? And uh, during the week, I went to the mall with my mom and my niece, like physically into this Anger Down Square mall, right? And I put out a tweet, and, and I basically said that every store in this mall makes me feel either very old or very sad, and sometimes both at the same time. And I got some people on the internet responding to me about this. Uh, and I want to say a couple things real quickly. I'm not, I'm not ragging on the mall. Because most of my thoughts on this are my own personal sadnesses or... Uh, neuroses. Or, or neuroses, right? Uh, so, but I did. But I saw a lot of people responding on me. So I, I'm just going to do a quick overview of some of the... Uh, validate some of the things I said. So this is what I said on the thing. Quick overview of some of the stores. Hot Topic. I wrote Old. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the fact that I walked into Hot Topic and realized that I, I can't be in here anymore, and I turned around and walked away. Because I, when I say old, it means, like, I used to love stores like yes. Hot Topic and Mr. Rags and, like, Zoomies yeah. and the PacSun stores because those felt like it was on, the, like, the pulse of, like, something that was happening for, like, our time. Uh, now I feel in there, and I feel like there's nothing for me in there. It makes me feel like I've moved beyond, like, a part of my life that I really, like, remember fondly, right? Mm-hmm. So that was my biggest sadness with Hot Topic. With FYE, I used to work at the FYE in the mall. I put old and sad. Because one, it's sad they don't sell music in there anymore. Now, I know that's not an indictment of FYE as a company. Do they not? I don't know. I mean, there's like one rack of CDs. What are they selling in there? A lot of, like, branded merchandise, right? Like, you can buy a lot of, like, action figures and, like, t-shirts with, like, pop culture figures. That makes sense. They've leaned into more, like, a uh, pop culture store as opposed to, like, just music. And that, that sort of made me feel old and mm-hmm. sad just because when I was there for years, like, like the We're jerk just... working in a record store 
reading magazines, not being nice to people when they came in. It's like in like Temer's, people <laughs> don't even know what that's about. Yeah. Like they don't even understand. Uh, American Eagle made me feel sad, uh, just because I, I don't know. I feel like that was a store I used to really like as a kid, and now like I couldn't find anything in there that I liked. I could not find like one item I that really. What's jeans there? I uh, I looked at the jeans. Jeans were still okay. Uh, Macy's just made me feel old because I was like, wow, I could really find a lot of stuff in here that I can I can get into. Uh, food court made me feel sad just because there's not much in that food court anymore. Uh, Champs made me feel sad because I start, that's like a weird sports store, right? Champs is like the sneaker store, no, right? I, I didn't know it was there. So like, that's what I'm saying. Like Dick's Sporting Goods is a sporting goods huh. store, right? They sell like all sorts of sporting equipment. I feel like a store like Champs is just like a sneaker and sports apparel store. I feel like that's sort of like a dying breed store. Right, you don't see as many of those anymore. Yeah, just take it a little bit closer, like a little bit more uh, streetwear and like athletic branded casual wear. H and M made me feel really old, uh, just because I, I don't know, I just I like their clothes still, but I'm like I don't know if I can pull off any of these clothing anymore. I understand that. And Target was the store that I said that I still indeed fuck with. Target's the best. I love Target, and that's how I can tell I'm my mid thirties. Any thoughts about mall stores for you guys? Any mall stores that stick out to you guys? I didn't mention. Uh, that you didn't mention. I think Dick's Sporting Goods is cool. I like Dick's Sporting Goods. Um, JCPenney says utility. Uh, shout out to Thomas D who said Boscov's, just calling it, uh, said Boscov's is a trip. Uh, is a trip. Some of the stuff they have in there, that's where I go for jeans. Boscov's. I haven't even gone in there yet. So Boscov's has definitely got things to be discovered for sure. Yeah. Definitely worth a trip. Um, Hot Topic does have one utility outside of all the crap in there you can find some really interesting records not you can find records in there that you won't find like in your mm-hmm. general like we also sell everybody mm-hmm. sells vinyls now yeah you can find some stuff that's a little more like punk or metal or like different things like that, that you're into mm-hmm. um i like rainbow zen i think rainbow zen is cool rainbow zen yes i enjoy rainbow zen's rainbow got zen. a lot of cool stuff um a lot of interesting quirky garbage uh yeah, I don't know. Tuxedo Junction, Yankee Candle, Zoomies, a couple other things here. Victoria's Secret still popping off. That's probably the most popular store in the mall. That Victoria's mm-hmm. Secret pink yep. connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Spencer's still kicking, still still living and dying. Spencer's too. No. <laughs> I used to not be allowed in Spencer's when I was a kid because they had all sorts of dirty you stuff. You go to Hot Topic. No, no, because when I was a little oh. kid, like you can go to Spencer's. Hot Topic wasn't even there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we were kids, like Spencer's used to have like dirty stuff, like dirty. They like, still do. Do they still? You can still go I buy. I want to go like, in there with my friends. Just you can to still buy about. like vibrators and like gummy penises and, 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 and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, there you go. So there you are. If you have any hot mall takes, hit me up with my. <laughs> I mean, I was gonna do a whole mall ranking, but it seemed kind of superfluous. Uh, again, smells the worst mall. The like. <laughs> it 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 just makes me. It made me kind of sad because I actually. Really, it sounds stupid, but I loved going to the mall when I was a kid. Like when we were in like high school and middle school, like just going to the mall at night and like doing nothing. Was really yeah. cool and like it kind of made me sad. Did you yeah, see they're putting like a bowling alley in there? They are putting a bowling alley. Part of that thing about like though when you're young and just being anywhere with your friends without direct parental supervision. That's a good It doesn't point. matter where you are, what you're doing. You know what I mean? Uh, all right. Okay, that's it. That's all I got this week, folks. Uh, thanks again, Stephen Keblish, uh, uh, candidate for Common Council at Large, for joining us this week. Uh, I'll link everything for where you can follow him and learn more about what he's about. Thanks to Heather for coming out during the snowstorm. Thanks for Kevin for powering through, uh, being. Be in the rock with this podcast, the anchor. He's out of tea. Uh, follow the show at Uticast uh, at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts. We're taking oh, pardon me, taking over the web. Uh, that's it. We are eight episodes away from 200. It's coming very, very quickly. Uh, I'm getting nervous. Real nervous. Sign arguments. Keep it tight.